Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. All right. Uh, good morning, church family. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. Super grateful that you're here this morning. We have one further announcement, and that is membership class. Uh, so if you've been coming for a while and you're not a member, or if you've been coming uh, for the first time and you're not a member, and you want to learn more what it means to belong uh, to the Door Church, uh, covenant membership is for you. Uh, so Sunday, May 15th, that's next Sunday. You can just go to thedoorchurch.net and register, or you can take a picture of that screen if you want to pull out your phone. It'd be awkward that way. You can do that. Uh, anyway, you can go online. We'd love for you to be there. It's during the 1030 gathering, so you can come to this gathering, go to the class, the next gathering time. Uh, and just learn about what the Door Church is. We have a clear mission. We have beliefs. We want to say, hey, this is who we are. This is why we believe what we believe, and uh, to see if God would have you belong here as a member. Uh, and it really plays well into uh, the sermon series, series we're in, this, the, the beauty of the church. And the church is not, not a building, but it's a people that belong to God. And we have this local expression to display the glories of Christ to the communities around us. And it's a privilege to not only belong to Christ through faith, but also to one another, uh, to, to really bind our lives together and say, hey, this is the point of our lives, which we'll talk more about this morning. But I encourage you to come and listen and hear and consider, um, is this for you? Uh, of course, happy Mother's Day. Uh, mothers affect everyone. I don't know if you know that or not. It affects everyone. You have or have a mom. So that's how it affects you, because you, you've had a mom, and or you are a mom. And man, how grateful the, the service of moms are to not only the world, but to our communities and to families. It's um, I, one, of the highest, one of the highest callings, and as I watch my mom and um, my, my, my wife, it is such a gift to have that sacri- sacrificial, nurturing uh, really, that, that, that total commitment love uh, that a mom has for a child. It is, it is, a, it is a, um, it's a blind love, uh, even, mom's love, even when no one else will. They got, they got their mom. Um, and that is a special gift from God uh, to, to all of us. We also want to just recognize this is a hard day. Um, you know, it talks about in Scripture that we want to rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's what we're doing. We're very grateful for the gift of children and moms. At the same time, sometimes this brings up heartache because you've lost your mom. So there's a loss of relationship uh, that we just want to recognize and we mourn with you and grieve with you. Uh, And there's also sometimes a desire is not yet fulfilled of having a child. And we we grieve with you and we, we want to pray with you on your behalf. And so we just want to recognize Every person in this room, this can stir up a lot of feelings, but uh, I pray that we take that to the sovereign God of the universe who, who is good and his timing is perfect. And um, man, we're just so grateful that you're here. Happy Mother's Day. So we are in a sermon series, The Beauty of the Church. I don't know what you think about the church. God designed the church. Uh, it is a beautiful thing and it's a glorious gift. And if you're taking sermon notes, we'll be looking at 
the topic this morning, the glory of, of, of the gathering. So sermon note, or title this morning is The Glory of the Gathering. If you have your Bible, we'll be in Hebrews 10, 24, 25. We're going to start here. This is a thesis statement, and then we'll go all around scriptures that I'm not going to ask that you turn to necessarily, but they'll be on the screen. The glory of the gathering. You're like, what is the gathering? That's what we're doing right now. We're congregating. We're coming together. Uh, we do this each week. We'll talk about that. Why and what the point of all this is, but it's, it's a glorious thing to gather, and it's the glory of the gathering. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it's the stable verse, or the thesis verse, I'd say, for why we gather. It says in verse 24, and let us consider. So that's telling us what? To think. We are called to think and to, to consider, to ponder, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good work. So what we're supposed to be doing in here is, hey, we're supposed not only to receive God's love, hear the truth of God, but consider how I'm going to stir up in you and you and one another to love, to have purpose is to love, to show God's love and to do good works. There's purpose that should be derived from the gathering. That's why we gather. Now, verse 25, it tells us how we're supposed to do that, not neglecting to meet together. So the way that we are supposed to stir up love and good works is by what? Gathering. Gathering is essential. I wrote down in the notes, it's a priority, listen, to God for you to gather. And so therefore, it should be a priority to who? You to gather. Why? Because God considers it a priority for us to gather to, uh, together um, uh, with one another. Now, it, of course, if he's saying don't neglect it, that means our tendencies, our proclivities is what? Not to do it. We'll fall out of this habit. He says, don't do that. Don't neglect to meet together as the habit of some, but we need to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's an end game uh, in, in light of why we gather as the, as the end draws near, and that is when Christ returns, and there's a new heavens, and there's new earth. Uh, so we believe that Jesus is going to return, and we are supposed to gather together and to, to remember who Christ is. So that's, that's the essential part of, of really the, the, the thesis statement, right? The priority is that we should gather. It's important. Now, the question is, why do we gather on, on Sunday? And then what are we doing here? What, what, what makes up this gathering and why, why do we do what we do? So in Acts 20, verse 7, it says that, that Paul rises up on the first day of the week, which is in Trous, and he gathers with the church in Trous, and he opens the word of God. And so we, we, we consider Christ on Sunday. Why? Because the scripture uh, yields that and describes that and prescribes that. Um, and this is the day that Christ was raised from the grave. So this is why we set aside Sundays as Christians say, this is going to be our Sabbath. This is the day we are going to put as a priority to remember Jesus. Now, you, you, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm trying to help you think a little bit. So mo Monday through Friday, what do you usually do? Well, what, used to, what people used to do is nine to five, they work. Now it's a kind of different. We work at home and all kinds of different stuff. But Monday through Friday is what we work. And then we have a, usually a Saturday. We have a weekend and a Sunday. Have you ever thought about why we do that in America? You, you should. You should think, why do we do this? Uh, there, there's a reason why we have the weekend off. The Jewish, uh, they, they Sabbath on Saturday. And the Christians, when do we Sabbath? On Sunday. So you know what America did? It said, you can have both days off. So this is why 
We have Saturday and Sunday off in America. Have you ever thought about that? Well, it, 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 it should help you hopefully stir up uh, your heart and your mind for Christ. When it says in Hebrews 10, 24, as, 24, 25, as we see the day drawing near, what this is saying is that for those who are Christians, we belong to Jesus and we are good news people. If you belong to Jesus, what, you say, what you're saying is, I'm, I live in light of the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus, he, he lived, he died, and rose again, and I'm a good news person. This is what I am. And we assemble to celebrate. So we celebrate every time we gather Sunday. <laughs> so I, I, I get all the times like, you excited for Easter? I'm like, kind of. And they're like, man, what kind of pastor are you? He's like, every time we gather, we're celebrating a risen king. Do you think about that? A risen king. That's why we gather, we assemble to celebrate the risen Lord. This is the narrative of what should be informing your thought process and your lives. That we belong to a victorious king. Now, when we assemble to celebrate, we are we're raising up the banner of truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every time we gather, we're reminding ourselves, I don't care what happened in your week, how, how bad you stunk, or the failures that you had, or the struggles that are whipping your tail. We gathered to remember what? You are forgiven. The banner of truth is you're forgiven, you are loved, and you are known. Paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know why we assemble? You forget it. You'll sit in guilt, you'll sit in shame, you'll feel stuck. We gather to say, no, you're forgiven. This is who you are. Why? We serve a risen king. Furthermore, we, we come to gather. Know why? Because in life, it's going to kick your tail. I'm not, it's not if, but when. It's is. Trials come, and you need to remember that Jesus defeated death. So what does that tell us? God is a God of life. We, we gather. Why? God is a God of life. He wants life for you, not only spiritually, but physically. That he wants to give you new life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's promises to, to be had and to possess in the risen Lord spiritually that you become a new creation, it says. Not a second chance person. A new, you can be new by the Spirit of God, a new creation that belongs to him and thinks differently. And... and Physically, you will die, and it's going to be scary. And you know what you need to remember? You're, you, we serve a risen king who's going to give you a resurrected body. We gather to celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned in, in Hebrews already, that the day's drawing near. It's only a matter of time before Jesus returns. He's coming back. So we should set our minds, our lives, and our hearts in priority that this is not all that there is, but Christ is going to return. We assemble to celebrate. Now, what do we do in the gathering on Sundays as we celebrate the risen king? There's two, two things. God is going to speak in gatherings, and we should be responding to him in gatherings. This is what we're doing here. We're, we want God to speak and we want to listen and we want to respond by, by, by speaking to God. So in the gathering, God is speaking to us. Now when God speaks, um, he, he is always humbling us. 
When God speaks, it should, be, it should bring humility. When humility, what I mean by that, is it will put you back in your place. You know why you need to come every, every Sunday? Listen, we don't need the attendance. You need to hear the word of God. Why? You need to be humbled to be put back in your place. You will feel too exalted or too low, and God will put you in his place by his word. By his word, he will speak to you. So, um, I'll, I'll just read 2 Timothy 3.16 about the word of God. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. So I'm gonna just take a, a, simple, a simple moment to say, what is this? This, this, is, this is the Bible. It's not just a book, it's the Bible, and we believe what? It's God's word. So as we read from the word of God, God is speaking to you. I mean, think about the gravity of that. God's speaking to you. How humbling is it? The God who created all things, sustains all things, who made you and is directing history says, I'm speaking to you. That's incredible. But this is what it, this is what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God. He's speaking and it says it what? It's profitable. You need it. This is profitable for me and you to hear the word of God as it's taught. You know why? Because you and I don't know everything. We need to be taught. We are learners. We sit in disposition to hear from God. You know why? Because we're not God. We need to be taught by God, his designs and how life functions best. We should, be, uh, we should have reproof. That means that you, you and I need to be rebuked sometimes. Like you, you are off. I am off. How do I know? The word of God. We need to be corrected. Not this way, but that way. We need to be trained in righteousness, and that righteousness is not only just a righteous life, but the righteousness of who is Jesus Christ, and we trained in Jesus. Now, here's the big idea. We gather to, to read God's word because God speaks to us, and as we, as we do this, Hebrews 4.12 says this. It says, for the word of God is living and active sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As we speak God's word, it is active and living. And living. It is crossing you. It is exposing you. I've, I've heard it said uh, this way, God, God, God's word, sometimes they're, they're hard words, these hard words of God, because it doesn't it doesn't line up with our thought process. It doesn't line up with our narratives that we like to believe. But God's hard words that humble us, what does it do? It, produce, it produces soft hearts. As we listen to God through his word, you know what happens? You become tender to God. You know what happens during the week? If you're not under the word of God, you become calloused. You become calloused to God. No, you don't feel the realities of who Jesus is. You don't feel the tenderness of God's love and presence in your life. We come under the word of God. Why? Because it makes us tender to God and to others. It penetrates your life. I can't tell you how many times I've just, I have read the word of God and I preach and someone's like, you were talking to me. And what I'm gonna tell you is I usually don't even know you. Who's speaking to you? God is. He wants to speak to your heart and change you. See, if you're not listening to God, you need to hear something. You're listening to someone. You're listening to someone. You are following the tunes of someone else's narrative. It's not if, you are. It says in Romans 12, 2 about this idea, it says, do not be conformed to the world. What does that mean? 
without active resistance and without actively coming under the word of God, what are you doing? You're being conformed to the world. But what does it say? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, perfect, saying, if you want, if you want to be transformed, what do you, need? you need to renew your mind. You need, to re- you need to listen to God. So we, we have, have, I think, through COVID and many other things, have fallen out of the habit of regular gathering together. I mean, and, and what I see more and more, not in this church, but, but many churches in the world, we are being conformed to the world. And you are, you are, you are running towards something else besides a risen king. And it's, it's destructive. Um, with, with, without gathering, I'd, I'd say weekly, you, you, it's not if, but you will be distracted. You will be distracted. Someone else will give you another mission besides Christ. Someone else will give you another purpose. Someone else will give you another identity. That's what the world's trying to do. It's trying to steal the identity which Christ has given you. You'll be discouraged if you're not gathering regularly because you'll be stuck in your sin. You'll look at all what's going you know, wrong with the world because the truth is the sky is falling and there's a lot to complain about. We need to, we need to gather under the word of God and remember our risen king. See, COVID not gathering together, I just this discouragement, anxiety. What I see more than ever as a pastor is anxiety and fear. You know why? I believe is because we are not coming under the word of God and renewing our minds. This was never our hope anyway. This world was never our hope in its current condition. Um, and just to share how goofy it was, and COVID is real, and I'm not, I'm not one of those people, right? Just know that. And, and it is, is, it's been hard for many and has hurt many. But the amount of paralyzing fear that's come out of it is very unhealthy. I remember going to the grocery store as I first heard about COVID. And like, you know what? It may linger in the air for three to six hours. All right, so think about this. Three to six hours, COVID be, could be lingering in the air. And that's what I'm hearing. They're like, I remember watching the, the television, like in Dallas alone, prediction of 500,000 people are going to die. I'm like, I remember pausing. It's like, Marcy, if that's true, that's the most devastating thing I've ever heard in my life. And so as I was going to get groceries, I was trying to feed our family, but hold my breath as I was trying to get groceries. Now, that's, that's funny because you can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't walk and hold your breath, and I'm out of breath. I'm taking deeper breaths in. I'm like, oh, I'm sure I got COVID. And then we wiped down all our groceries with you know sanitizer wipes because... I, it was just such a paralyzing time. And I'm, all I'm trying to say is we were not putting our eyes on Jesus, but the failings of a world and the sickness, that, that is very real. Um, man, talk about the distraction of not remembering who Jesus is. Remember, who, remember Paul, to live as Christ, what? Die as what? Gain. That's the reality it's always been. That's not new. That's real, right? Number two is we get distracted because if our eyes aren't on Jesus, on something else, and namely, we want to make this life about us. I will try to tell you every time I can, this world, your life is actually not about you. It's about Jesus. But every time we don't gather and we miss weeks gathering, you know what you're going to, your default mode is, is to make this world try to revolve around you. And what I'd say is good luck. Good luck because you're not the center of this universe. Jesus Christ is. 
You know, I have this written down, and I may take it out the second gathering. There's an old Britney Spears song in Will I Am, We're All Eyes on Us. This is the mantra that we get into as we live our lives, all eyes on us, all eyes on us. And the truth of the matter is we come into the gathering and say, no, all eyes on Jesus. All eyes on Jesus. Why? Because where eyes are is the trajectory of your life. You got to get your eyes on Jesus because this is the trajectory of your life. We cannot be our own gods. See, the nature of sin, if you go back to Genesis 3, Satan tempts him like, man, if you eat of the fruit, if you eat of this tree of knowledge, good and evil, you won't need to be God, but you will be God. That's our default mode. So what we, with this, the very nature of sin is like, you can determine what's true. <laughs> That's the very opposite of what scripture says. It's, the scripture says, you cannot determine what's true, but Jesus does. You are not the, you're not the truth teller, but Jesus is. So many times I have spoken to many of you, and you'll tell me your thoughts, and they are not biblical. They're not. You are not the standard for truth, and neither am I. God's word is, and we must come under the word of God because it is, it, it, so, goes, so goes the word, so goes your health. It says this in 1 Timothy 4, 16. It says, keep a close watch on yourself and what? And your teaching. You better watch what you're, what you're consuming. Persist in this. By, for doing so, you'll save your, both yourself and your hearers. We gather to speak God's word, to bring a humbling to us, to restore us back to our proper position which is under Jesus Christ, under Jesus Christ. Number two in our gatherings, we're going to celebrate communion. We do that the first Sunday of every month. And in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says that Jesus is the Passover lamb. We need to remember through communion who Jesus is and what he did for us, that he broke his body for us, that he spilt his blood for us. Have you ever thought about what the difference between a Christian is and everyone else? Like legitimately, a lot of you are like, well, I'm a good person, I do these things, or you know. The difference between a Christian and non-Christian is the Lamb of God. That's it. That's it. That Jesus died on your behalf and he shed his blood, and you believe in the provisions of Jesus Christ. And as you celebrate communion, it appeals to all of our senses. God's speaking to you in all your senses. He's saying through your sight, through your taste, through your hearing, through your touching, through your smelling, that I am your Passover, that I am the sacrifice that paid your debt. As you take communion, it should always remember, you should always remember that you were wanted. How do we know that? Because Jesus Christ came for you and he died for you. You are wanted. God wants you because Jesus came, that Jesus Christ Grace is sufficient. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. As you take communion, say, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you. I don't care what you've done or where you've, you know, or what you have done. It's Jesus' grace that's sufficient for you, and that brings unity to our church. It says in Scripture, there's not one righteous, not one. So if you're like, well, I'm kind of righteous, you don't get it. Not one righteous. So as you take communion... You're saying only Jesus is sufficient. It's what binds us together. God is speaking to us through the, the Passover meal. And then lastly, God speaks through baptism. It's when, when we're enveloped into God's story, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
We lose our secondary identities into the primary identity of Jesus Christ, that we belong to Christ. It is our, it's, it's, it's how we say we have, we have died to sin and come alive to Jesus Christ. As we, we were baptized in Romans 6, that you go under the, to, under the water, identifying with his death, being raised to new life. It's an it's a indicator declaring what God's done in your heart, that I belong to Jesus. If you haven't been baptized and you believe in Jesus, I'd urge you to because it's a de- declaration that I belong to him. It'd be a goofy idea to get married and not wear a wedding ring. And if you do that, it's goofy. Why? Because I'm telling everyone I belong to my wife. That's a big deal. It's an outward symbol, man. I, I'm hers and she is mine. When you get baptized, it's the same thing. I'm declaring, man, I am his and he is mine. You should be baptized. It's God speaking his story over you when you're baptized. That's the gathering. The glory of the gathering is God speaks. I mean, that, that should be enough to get here every single week. I mean, if you really believe this, how, how could you miss that God's speaking to you? That's incredible. Um, in the gathering, it's not only that we listen to God, but man, we respond to God by exalting him. By exalting him. You know how we do that? So if you've ever noticed, we usually sing after, not always, because we want to be be put in proper position by the Spirit of God and the person of Jesus Christ, and we want to respond by singing to testify with you. We want to exalt Christ in our life. Singing is us speaking to God and agreeing with him. Did you ever know that? Like, we're speaking to God. Ephesians 5, 18, verse 20, it says this. It says, do not get drunk with wine. That's going to be our default mode to numb ourselves from the reality. Was don't, don't numb yourself from the reality of the world, but for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. It says, man, to live in light of the good news of Jesus Christ by addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks uh, always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we gather to sing. We gather to sing. When we sing here at the Door Church. It will always be word-centered. We'll be, we'll be pointing our, our minds and our hearts and Lord willing, our, 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 our lives to the promises of Jesus Christ. We want to proclaim the promises of Christ until we possess them. They become true to us. It doesn't mean you always feel like they're true. There's a lot of times I don't feel like this is true, but I'm singing so, man, it becomes real. I realize it in my life, the Spirit of God. When we come together, we're not going to sing the promises of God. We're responding, but we want to exalt that he is the king. You're not the king. I love the song we sing, All Hail King Jesus. Why? Because not, not us, King Jesus. I don't care what's going on in any world circumstance. Jesus is king. And we need to testify to that truth by singing if you read Ephesians 5, it says addressing one another in Psalms, spiritual songs. We address one another because you know what? When you sing, you actually give courage to the other person. This is true. You ever thought about that? Like you give courage to other people as you testify because sometimes the brother and sister in Christ are weak and they, just see, and they need to see you say this is true because they're not feeling it. This is why we gather. You know, uh, one of the songs on my playlist for my kids is, is Sweet Caroline. And I always tell them, I always pause them. I'm like, hey, you know where they sing this? They sing this at, uh, you know, uh, Fenway Park, you know, the seventh inning stretch. Sweet Caroline, everyone, I, I've, I've even played videos for them, right? If those people can go nuts 
over a stupid baseball game and a song like that, how do we not sing more than them? I mean, I'm being serious. Jesus is risen. How do we not worship in spirit and truth? I encourage you to let it rip, to sing. I wrote this question down that I read this week. I thought it was so good. If someone walked into your worship service and saw you singing, you, would they think from your singing and expression that you believe what you're declaring? I hope it would be yes. This is why we gather. We respond to sing, say this is true. Another way that we respond to God is by prayer. We pray, not only in our transitions and our gathering, <laughs> but we pray because God deserves our prayers. He listens to our prayers. We, we pray in response after the preach word and singing. We have men and women up front. I encourage you to take advantage. This is responding, you speaking to God. And through Jesus Christ, he listens. Do you hear that? In Jesus Christ, because of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, he listens to us. We have the Father's ear. This is us speaking to God. Ephesians 3.11 says it this way. This, is, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. Listen, we, have bold, we can come with boldness, and we have access with confidence through our faith in him. We have access to the Father, and we can come with boldness to the Father, not in self, in Christ. So when we come and we pray, we know that the presence of God comes near to us as we draw near to him, that we are exerci we're exercising our faith as we speak prayers. As you pray with men and women in the front, man, prayer is powerful. Not only does it bring comfort, that knowing that there's a father who cares for you, loves you, is in control of your life, but there's healing in the power of prayer. Not always the here and now, but sometimes, sometimes. We've seen that, and we praise God for it. We'll ask for it. It talks about, man, if you confess your sins to one another, you, you can be healed. Sometimes you bring your sin into the light, what you're saying is, man, Jesus paid, paid for that sin in full, and now I want to have victory. I want to walk in the victory that Christ provided as I name that sin, because as I name that sin, the covering of Christ is real. Now there's accountability as I bring it into the light. We do that by prayer. Man, this the other week, I mean, I was actually a week, two weeks ago, no, two months ago. I mean, I was just struggling with something, and you're not going to know what it is, and you can talk to me. And I, and I had to call my wife. Said, honey, I need you to pray with me. It was so sweet. She just prayed over me. It was healing in prayer. As there's accountability. This is talking to God with another person in community. We should come boldly praying to God. This is why we gather. We have a victorious king that we align our minds, our hearts, and our lives with. It's the beauty of the church. Because we get to go into the world and say, here's our king. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would just help us respond.
as you speak through your word, that we would not neglect to meet together as the have of a son, but we'd encourage one another as we, we humble ourselves before your word, as we consider Christ, I pray that you bring healing and power into our lives. We live in the promises of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that we would respond right now by singing, lifting up our voices and singing and agreeing and testifying to the promise of God. And I pray that at the end, there'd be people that come up and receive prayer because you hear our prayer and you answer our prayer. God, I pray that we see the glory in the gathering. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name.